welcome back to the Leverage 10 podcast, where today we will be discussing the mind-bending episode number 512, The White Rabbit Job. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and as always, I'm joined by executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, John Rogers and Chris Downey. Hello. Hello. And today we also have the writer of this episode and co-producer of Leverage, Jeffrey Thorne. Yay! And for the first time... That was manly. (laughs) (laughs) For the first time, we welcome um, another guest, co-producer, VFX producer, and head of post, Mark Franco. Yes! Hello. There you go. Much better. And of course, as always, Paula. And Paula's always here. Lurking in the background. The voiceless hero. Uh, so as I mentioned, we'll be talking about the White Rabbit job, which has our fans asking a lot of questions on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook. So let's get started. Um, like I said, everyone on Facebook and Twitter wants to know, so did they pull off the White Rabbit job or didn't they? In my mind, they pulled it off. Yes. yes I, I think sir. I think Sophie quite explicitly states they pulled it off. The The reason nobody else pulls it off is no, one, no other crew is willing to make that emotional trade. That's correct. It's mm-hmm. too dangerous. That's correct. And only because our team are unique in the fact that they're good guy con artists are they able, are they willing, is anyone on the team equipped to make that emotional trade? But, you know, it's basically like as if there's a, uh, a universal law of conservation of catharsis. <laughs> Opposed to conversation, con- has that sentence ever been uttered? Conservation of momentum or conservation of energy or matter. There's conservation of catharsis. You cannot get a catharsis unless you offer one. That's right. And That's so, right. Well, I mean, look, right. uh, thieves and grifters are inherently closed off emotionally. Yes. Uh, that's why they're like able writers. to. That's right? why we're able to do this. That's why they're able to see uh, people because they don't give anything of themselves. They create a, a false persona. They cr- create a facade. So, that's you correct. know, this is, and that's really was the impetus for the episode. Yeah, we, in we a wanted large to, ways. We wanted to see, we wanted to put uh, the team in a situation where somebody has to pierce that, pierce the corporate veil of yeah. crime. There you <laughs> go. Well, <laughs> let me add, that, that is actually a nice segue into, like, going off this question. How did the episode come about, Jeff? Uh, well, we talked about this a little on, in other venues, but uh, basically Chris left me alone to go write his fantastic magnum opus about D.B. Cooper. Uh, initially, we were supposed to do this together. Um, it started as a room bit. We were joking around about uh, did Inception work or not, uh, the film Inception, and then we were like, how would, a, how would a leverage Inception be? But it was really completely light, completely spinning out, joking around, and then somebody said something, and I was like, wait, whoa, 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 that one will work. And then they were like, oh, come on, Jeff, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And then Chris was like, no, no, that one would actually work. So everyone kind of looked at us and we were like, you want to do it? And we were going to go do it. And then he got this wild desire. Came up with an idea to like have us go buy a plane fuselage (laughs) and have people leap out of it. It's like, so Jeff, you'll handle that, right? And I was like, okay. You'll handle the impossible one. Well, and and I have to say, it it was uh, Mark Franco who's joining us today. I think a lot of the reason we had the faith that we could pull this off was because of the amazing job that you and the effects team have done on the show. Thank you. You know, we knew yeah. that we we do a lot of green screen work and set replacement on, on the show, and we knew we were just scratching the surface on the stuff that our, our uh, guys could do. So. I, I mean, let, let's actually ask, because a lot of people, they see the one or two effects they think they see. Right. But how many effect shots are, do we average on an episode? I'd say this season specifically north of 70. 80 so shots there's 70, 80 effect shots you're yeah. just not seeing yeah. right. every week because right. they do it that well. 
You know, and that's and and that's what you have to do in television these days. You're doing a lot of set extension. You're doing a lot. You know, almost the entire low low price job mm -hmm. building was set extension. Yeah. The whole exterior was uh, was graphically enhanced, and everything in this was was you know built oh out. God. And it, also, this it, one was this one was different in that we had to actually plan it like a, a movie more. So I mean, I actually had a storyboard guy and everything because. Well, let, let, let's tell the audience. Yeah. You you did. What movies have you done? Well, I, well, the reason I started with this company is because um, with Dean Devlin going back to Independence Day, and, mm -hmm. and primarily in the, in uh, I was a feature guy. I uh, worked with Armageddon and uh, Titanic, and um, you know Little all movies. of Dean's movies. And then I ran Dean's visual effects company. So, uh, you know, I did a, a, a Patriot and uh, several movies there. Uh, you know, uh, throughout the years, worked on Matrix uh, two and three. And, so uh, you only did the rave scene, though. I I, I, like I have a background in, in fairly expensive visual effects, Holy so, the, so television, television has been a, a, a fun, a fun yeah. challenge. Um, so with this one, we had to uh, really plan it like a movie in in some regards because the gags. It wasn't that they were complicated. It's just that we're trying to accomplish something that we don't have much time for. So we had to be very organized and and have it sort of sorted out before we so come. How many effects were in this one? Effects. This one was actually surprising. It was up over 100. It was 143 for in there. But you topped this one with the Big Bird job, did you uh, not? Actually, the, I think the, uh, yes. Big Bird is two. Yeah, two hundred. Uh, yeah. two, Big Bird had 200 effect rundown, shots. Rundown job was pushing Rundown wins. I think yeah. Rundown, like, cracked 230, didn't <laughs> Yeah, 230. Yeah. yeah. And oh who directed yeah. that one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> there is a thread here. Yeah. Es it's actually escalating credits to the yeah. number of effect shots you have. Like, visiting director, 100. <laughs> Executive producer, 200. Guy who owns the studio, 230. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. But the other, uh, the other thing was, initially we were talking about this as maybe being the Christmas episode, so we started talking about other Christmassy types of stories, what kind of thing we could do with this this idea of technology and what the team would do. So we sort of settled on uh, uh, A Christmas Carol. It's obviously a well-recognized thing, turning a, a, a apparently bad person mm -hmm. into, like, the, the, the thesis it's is, that, yeah. you know, there's a yeah. core of decency in everyone if it can only be gotten to. Uh, stop shaking your head, Paula. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, uh, in this case, obviously it was Mr. Dodson, but um, how would we use? How would the tech replace the ghosts? Is basically the idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was. It was a long. It took a while. I mean, the actual writing took a while. It didn't take long, but the the tweaking to get it where it needed to be that was that was a while. And getting it to like, okay, we can do this. We can't do that. Okay, yeah. this thing you wrote is interesting and undoable. Yeah, you know, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of impossible. And a lot things. of stuff you don't know is undoable, <laughs> who you give. Um, give it to Mark, and he looks at it and says, "Doable, not doable. Doable at a budget, you know." Yeah, it's uh, there's a reason. I, I, you didn't know Mark's credits. I didn't know the big giant some of the no, stuff. No, that's why. That's why. Whenever Paul Bernard says unshootable, I tell him it's fine. Just make the fucking thing. And when Mark says it's unshootable, I'm like, "Well, okay." I was really surprised yeah. that they were that nobody blinked. I was like. But by the time that they got the re the script, we shot. Uh, people blinked. We just like we hid it from you. It was God better if you didn't know. <laughs> I love this job. You can't, you can't handle a lot of blinking. You, know, you don't me. handle blinking well. Low, just low I threshold. have a low blinking tolerance. We don't want we don't want the writers dealing with. Uh, we want them in a creative space. We don't want them worrying about that. It's no, when you I, become showrunners, you worry about budgets and shit. Yeah, so. I, I learned that this year for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's where it came from, and. Uh, that's what we did. Yeah. I forgot it started as a Christmas. It's really more Christmas Carol than Inception. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Alice in Wonderland. Okay, next question. Uh, well, moving on, we have some questions kind of about specific to the characters. Uh, number two, Dorsif N asks, it seems Nate is trying to prove to each one of the team that they can do more than what they think they can. What is he up to? That is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a very astute question. Yes. It is a very astute question. It's uh, It shows, it actually is kind of heartening that uh, we were worried that people would miss some stuff this year. They're not missing anything. Smart our fans, fans don't miss anything. I mean, our fans <laughs> miss nothing. Miss nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Well, then moving on, Miss Mariposa86 asks, is it just me or are you having each one of the Fab Five, apparently that's their nickname now, the Fab Five have their own epiphany moment this I season? I think Fab Five is actually from TV Tropes. I think that's what you is call it. No, Five Man Band is what TV Tropes Fab call Five is the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The, uh, <laughs> no, no, Duran the Duran Five Band. There's so many Five Man shows that they have nicknames for. Um, uh, who is, what is the name, what is that screen name? Miss Mariposa. Miss Mariposa 86. There are 85 other Miss Mariposa. That's fascinating. <laughs> that, is, that is fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. <laughs> Who is number one? Um, there can only I know, be you one. know, I think what we generally try and give the characters epiphany moments. I don't, I don't know if that's actually I, deliberate. I, I would say, I, I would say um, every third or fourth episode, you try to land heavy yeah. on one. I don't think it's any heavier this year in that respect. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think every every episode you try to have a, a runner where one of the characters is invested in it, and about every third or fourth you're like, okay, there's a real a real moment here, like experimental job with Elliot. Like you really find out about his background of that, or Lolo Price, or you know. So I, I think um, I, I think it's just the kind of natural percentage. I put my fan hat on that too, watching the show for uh, a while and then being part of it. It's difficult to maintain a balance of mystery and what the fans want to know because you think you want to know everything. You think you, everyone thinks that they want an episode where Elliot sits down at the beginning <laughs> of the episode and tells you from the time he was a boy to now, this is all the crap I went through and why I'm so screwed up. You don't want that. What you want is little drips of it. So strategically, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a big battle plan or anything, but every season, you guys and then us guys. Choose what we're going to show. Yeah, right. we show little bits and then let the fans sort of fill in the blanks, because yeah. that's more fun. Look, if we told you Elliot's entire timeline or Nate's entire timeline, you wouldn't be able to then have enough flexibility to fold that timeline in with Supernatural <laughs> yeah. in your fanfics, wow. that's right. because there'd be no space for that. The space we leave is the space for you to write and your And that Doctor Who cross And oh, that's oh, super wait. important for us to do. I didn't, I we do that, that for you, people. The fans, we leave, appreciate, the it, fans sure. appreciate the empty space we leave, so that you can write your Buffy, Supernatural, NCIS, Criminal Minds, Leverage crossovers. Those are my favorites. But don't do any Doctor Who ones because you're writing those. Just don't do that. <laughs> you, you're writing you stake those. those out. You stake those out. I'm, I say nothing. You are the fanniest writer we've ever you had. Really are. I love you this really stuff, are. man. Uh, and that, it is hard to say because every every now and then, especially on the blog, because I field a lot of questions about like, oh, we're really focusing on X this year. Or, Why aren't we focusing so much on Y? And I actually go back. I mean, I, we've joked about my notebooks I have, like the 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 the, the moleskins I have yeah. with the notes from all the season of development. But I'll go back and and look at how we developed each episode and look at the page weight and go. Every season's about the same, actually. Mm -hmm. Like it's just whatever order happens to be, or whatever mm -hmm. maybe two episodes in a row. Whenever you're watching a TV show in real time, two episodes in a row is suddenly the whole show mm -hmm. because it's just as much as you can hold in your head, you know, as opposed to when you go watch an entire season. We actually had a question about that, so I'm going to jump ahead. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Uh, Mad Hatter asks, is there a reason we had two back-to-back -back episodes about helping to save a small town, one by closing a big company and one by saving a big company? 
Uh, no, that was just literally broadcast order. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. weren't even, I mean, they weren't written in that order. We definitely wanted mm-hmm. um, me, uh, White Rabbit to be near Christmas. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, and, and we actually have a Christmas episode next. We act this season. We actually have two Christmas episodes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Lola Price was just kind of where it landed in the uh, shooting yeah. order. Wait, is Winery next week or Christmas? Winery. Winery's, 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 Winery's next week, yeah. and then it's and then Christmas. the other one. It's Christmas. Then uh, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop. That's so sinister. Stop that. <laughs> Oh, then moving on, uh, we already talked a little bit about VFX, but Mark, we have a question. Anonymous is asking, how did you achieve the look of the dream sequences? What kind of VFX was involved? And can you kind of get into talking about what the differences between special effects and visual effects are? Yeah, um, there are a couple things, and there's sort of like a broader scheme of things uh, to why the, the dream sequences look the way they did. There was the obvious stuff when the backgrounds are shifting and morphing and all that stuff that we did, there's green screen stuff. And it was sort of tricky green screen stuff in that we, um, when he's running on that battlefield, that's a, literally a piece of stock footage that we purchased and we fit him in. Um, it was quite actually humorous to watch uh, the guys running down the parking lot with a green screen behind yeah. the, that, the actor. That's the thing, when he runs at camera in that, yeah. that's Andrew running at us right. with the barrels, are, the barrels are real, right? The barrels, the barrels, are, barrels real. are real. With two grips, like carrying a green screen, just hauling ass behind yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. With like people walking by in the background. As he's dancing around and moving business. around. I love yeah. fantastic, yeah. man. And uh, so that was done in the parking lot outside of our stages. But, <laughs> so we had a lot of fairly you know interesting uh, uh, green screen situations. We built that, uh, we were calling it a Danish castle. I'm not sure that it was specifically yeah. that. Elsinore. Yeah, yeah, that was a castle that we, we built that. Um, that's what we call 2.5D. That was a series of paintings uh, sort of hung on uh, three-dimensional geometry. But the big thing that, that gave it the overall look was actually, I, I'm not sure if it was PJ's decision, but the, the sh- to shoot at, at effectively 12 FPS. Yes, it was. He talked um, about that. And, and that's, a, that's a kind of a trick, a filmic trick that goes back and to that's the That's 12 frames per second, for yeah. those of you who don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> so what happens is... He was our director on this episode. Yes. He's and, awesome. And what that does is it gives it that weird sort of time, uh, you know, time uh, compression uh, look because yeah. what it is is it's slow mo without being slow mo. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What you do is you take and, and normally um, the, the the cameras run at twenty four frames a second, uh, and instead we ran them at twelve and then double framed to re expand back out oh. to twenty four. Oh, so weird. that's what gives it that weird. Yeah, you still have to broadcast at twenty four. Right. <clears throat> yeah. That's weird. So yeah, we shot it all like that, clipped and then doubled it out again to make it fit back into into to how it goes, which gives it that kind of intangible that you can't put your finger on why does that look weird it's everything's got a slight delay because there's a it's it's playing games with your mind's uh persistence of vision uh yeah. and also that, that you've been watching 24 frames a second since the you know for since we're 100 years over 100 years yeah. and all of a sudden you're looking at this and there's like i can't put my finger on it but that that was a huge thing also our dp david connell did some some pretty bizarre lighting stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, actually one of my most favorite ones was on that battle scene because <clears throat> on the day, it was supposed to be a cutaway to Gina in front of a little bit of set pieces, which didn't match anything we had built. Right. And so he said, I'm just going to shoot straight into the sun. But it looked great. And it looks oh, amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. It looked great. So, you know, um, a lot of it, you know, obviously we did a lot of robust visual effects. We built a lot of environments. We built, um, uh, you know, we, 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 we hung... Uh, uh, geometry and stuff like that but again the, the overall thing that gave it that dream sequence look because even in the non-visual effects sequences we still ran that 12 frame gag and it worked really cool and then the lighting right. again 
all of that kind of worked together. Even like to, some of my favorite stuff is the stuff I did almost nothing but paint the tape off the floor, the, oh, the, the hallway. Yeah. And that was kind of important because yeah. we really want to make sure you understood there's a geometry to how the Dreamnasium works. Mm -hmm. It's two rooms on either side right. where he, they do the visual effects with the one connecting corridor. Right. right. There's You could actually draw a map of it and then see how they run him back and forth between those two visual effects spaces basically right. that he wouldn't buy if he was not drugged right but right. drugged it's just enough to get him over the top the other uh, it's one of the reasons we had him we did the static effect right the first time he walks out into the factory sell that to help sell that the other thing too is in a weird way i've, I've read some of the little comments on the web about could this really be done? Is the technology viable? Blah, blah, blah. In fact, this is actually the low-tech version of what would really be done. He'd just be in a helmet, and yeah. all that stuff would be projected. But helmets, helmet, helmets are boring. Actually, yeah, it is boring. Drug therapy and recreating traumatic experiences being used by the, to, military? Uh, by the military to treat PTSD. It's a fact. Oh, wow. And they're using and virtual... And ecstasy, ecstasy. And ecstasy, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but, yeah. Right? yeah. So, so basically, yeah. Uh, they're they're taking people with PTSD, drugging them, and putting them in virtual in virtual simulations that's right. in order to help them get over their emotional trauma. And that's a fact. That's the episode. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the military is doing that right now. this was too far-fetched. Yeah, in fact, we, we, we dialed it back from what the actual technology can do, and it's actually going further. They can erase memories with drugs now, specific memories. Uh, well, so you can fMRI stuff yeah, where you they can, put people into uh, yeah. you can lessen the You can lessen the effect of a traumatic event by chemically removing it from your brain. We didn't go into any of that, but trust me, as, we, as is often the case. That's why you all think that Chris and I are good bosses. We doped you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I'm missing those 10 hours. We totally doped you. We're not you. actually yeah, on this podcast. This is all just... like green screen reality. Please don't screw with me. I'm already are, are there really, in reality, could Kayla and Paula exist? No. 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 Not no, at the same time. They're playing a virtual construction of some sort. Stay out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so as is often the case with leverage, people, people come and say, Oh, that could never really, or you guys just made that up. Almost all the time when it they really say does. that. It really does. At this point, I just want a goddamn t-shirt after five years. Yeah. It's like, no, the thing you think we made up is almost always real. And it's also <laughs> so much generally worse than whatever we showed right, because know. we couldn't get away with what it, the real thing is. Yes. Anyway. We, we fear litigation and punishment. Ugh. Understandably so. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the next question, I do want to point out that after the last podcast, we had some people tweeting with hashtag leverage dog. That actually so, was a thing, and the consensus is that Tornado Puppy is the dog's name. Oh, the from, the, uh, from Doppler Dog. Yes, exactly. Yes. Who our next question is from, Tornado Puppy asks, <laughs> <laughs> and this just goes to show our fans do not miss anything, was wow. it coincidence or purposeful that Parker, who has the Alice White cover, would play such a big part in this con? I think it's just coincidence. Yeah. Really? We just, you know Alice. what? We just liked out. Al we just had Alice. We're not that there. good. I will say this. No, I'll tell you what. I will say this though: that in jury number six job, the first time she played Alice White, uh, Nadine Haters uh, did a uh, Alice, Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland. Uh, look for her. The, the the name Alice came because Beth looks like Alice. Yeah. So Alice White came from that. Right. And then Nadine fed back into it by dressing yeah, yes. her like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And so that just, I think that just, it's kind of a zeitgeist. It's, so, it's not, yeah. so, but it wasn't super So Parker as Alice in Wonderland has been part of the show from season one. Yeah. So half coincidence sort of leaned yeah. into. Half, half, half destiny. Half yes, half yeah. destiny. I like All that. All right. That's intense. <laughs> uh, so talking a little bit about the actors in this episode, Thomas asks, how did you manage to get Andrew Bowen for this episode? Great casting. 
Uh, I will say Eva uh, had her makeup suggested him originally. She had worked with him. Really? Yeah, that's where the name came from. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Boy, was he great. He was He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and then we, we auditioned him. Guy. He was just fantastic. Uh, we had to do some reshoots for technical things. We had to shoot mm. some more green screen. He came up and dropped right back in the character again. I directed that bit. I went up well, for yeah. doing that. And I was just amazed at how, how prepped he was and how he mm -hmm. easily he slid back into it. He was... It, look, it it is one of the hardest villain pieces we've ever done because he's got a switch. Yep, you know he's one of the few villains with a complete arc. Love that guy. Give him a show. And, and, and he give him a and show. Give be, Andrew Bowen a show. He has show. to be somebody that you connect with emotionally. Yep. Even as he's being a bastard in the beginning, yeah. it's really tricky thing to and do. And he does. He keeps a nice undercurrent of pain. Yeah, I'm yes. tormented all the yes, way through. Yes. No, I'm a, really, I'm, I'm really tormented good. and I'm lashing out. Not I'm just simply evil. Yeah. He. It's. Sorry, Andrew, but you did kill it. So yeah. thank you. Very, very great performance. Well, still talking about that. He and Drew Powell. Maybe that's my show. Maybe. There you go. That's Andrew, Andrew and okay. Drew Powell. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's I'd be down I'd with that. I'd rewatch that. Uh, talking about the Charles Dodgson character, Michelle asks, did you guys purposely dress Charles like Steve Jobs at the end? If that, so, why? That's Nadine. Um, <laughs> the, the, well, in the sense that she Can you accidentally dress someone in that outfit? No. That's, that's, in the you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> Tech guy in a turtleneck. What are the odds right, that's like somebody I know? I know it's, it's famous. It's Dieter from Sprockets or Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there are... Wow, deep cut. Deep cut. Nicely done. I'll, Good. I'll, I'll you, you, you did sitcom chops on that one, I man. Will, you really I did. I will take guys in turtlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> there were 200 the, uh, the idea in the script was that uh, I mentioned the idea that he has a Steve Jobs vibe um, because he's that boss that is sort of like the worker. He's sort of down amongst the guys getting his fingers dirty or wet or whatever it is. And uh, so we sort of just shut up. Dirty or wet? Depending on your job. If you work at a fish farm. <laughs> I guess. You know. It's, it's absolutely true. It's, so Thank shut you. up. Weird oh answer. my God. But um, the... Uh, uh, so yeah, so Nadine presented that, and it's he's kind of cuts an iconic figure now. I mean, mm -hmm. if you put that up, obviously everyone instantly thinks Steve Jobs, and it's not the wrong thing to think in this case. It's you know, so I was yeah. cool with it, as is as is usually the case with Nadine, because that chick's a genius. Yeah, <laughs> I just like to note, by the way, that we suddenly slid in the Alpha Broadcast battery is technically Tesla's broadcast battery. Yes, we had to change so, it. Andrew Bo Andrew Bowen uh, Andrew Bowen's character is basically reinventing the free energy technology that Nikola Tesla invented <laughs> that Edison crushed. Because Tesla rules and Edison was a bastard. And so, so basically, there is like some deep cut conspiracy shit going on in this episode. That's right. Go, right. kids, go read about Nikola Tesla and uh, and and wireless energy. Broadcast. And join us in the truth. And have your minds blown. Yeah. Yeah. Have your minds blown. Yeah. All right. Oh God. Also, Tesla caused Tunguska. But that's you know. this is yeah. true. Yeah. He but did. I actually it was going to be called the Tesla battery, but we used Tesla a couple of times as a reference point earlier in this yeah, season, yeah, so yeah. it had to be changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, this next question is asked actually from me. <laughs> so I'm asking. A lot of fans notice references to Lewis Carroll, maybe Inception, as we talked about. Are there any other homages in this episode? Um, I mention uh, Sally Sparrow mm -hmm. because that's from my favorite episode of uh, Doctor Who. Nice. Blink is your favorite episode? Blink is up there. Blink's Blink is up there. Great, right? um, yeah, no, maybe my favorite. Uh, Carrie just, Mulligan, she's going to go places. Oh, that kid. You think she's yeah. got a future? Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. There's a Disney reference because Disney made uh, Alice in Wonderland. The "Keep Moving Forward" is a Walt Disney quote. Um, yeah, it's above the gates at uh, at Disney, right next to uh, Work Mock Fry. 
the ah, name of... I've noticed that one, but not the other. <laughs> That's vicious. Wow. <laughs> Franco's laughing. Oh, my God. That's dark. Auschwitz. Dark, but it's really It's funny. You're, 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 you're too young to get the reference. We'll typically put a, a yeah. disclaimer on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. 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 It really went dark. <laughs> and yet, anyway. Um, hey, well, why about talk about Dreamnasium? Oh, TM. we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, the name of the psychiatrist that Sophie plays is the wife of Sigmund Freud. Who was herself a world class psychiatrist? I didn't know that either. Don't mess around with me, brother. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, there's multiple references. Oh, the Edith character is, uh, I believe, Lewis Carroll's sister. It was his. Her name was Edith, which I changed away from that because I wanted to make it a friend of mine's name. And then I found out that Tim Hutton's sister Heidi is actually a Lewis Carroll buff, and she oh. had picked that out from the script. And so when I talked to her, and when Heidi I went worked up, on the show. Yeah, yeah, she works on the show. So when I went up to do a location scout, she came over to me and was like, wow, you even used Edith, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, I actually changed the name back. But because I talked to Heidi, I put Edith back in because I was like, if somebody. We was, all love Heidi. Oh, yeah, Heidi is Heidi. awesome. Heidi. Um, so so that's it. Uh, I think that may be. Oh, and Steed, John Steed, because I brought back the John Steed character and, from the and Avengers. Dreamnasium is and your Dreamnasium is. Uh, these two forced me to use that. I was going to call it Wonderland in keeping with the actual theme, but Chris and John decided. But, but, but welcome to Wonderland is, is too arch. Welcome to the dream. We played around with. Welcome to the dreamateria. We are going to the dreamtopia. Welcome to the dream spa. So they, but they forced me to do that. Welcome to the dream jungle. It's the title of a uh, collection of science fiction stories that I. Uh, uh, put out a little while ago, and that's it. Available on Amazon. And it's available right. on Amazon. Oh my so God! Jeff Thorne's excellent short story collection, uh, Dreamnasium. Yeah, uh, available uh, on and Amazon. the hardcover has an extra bonus story that's not in the ebook. Oh, Ebook's nice. cheaper, and the paperback has one cool story. Yeah. Um, so, but that's not why I did it. Um, yeah, you were forced. Yeah, I was forced <laughs> by my cruel bosses. Uh, I'm thinking that might beings. be Steve Jobs, all the Lewis Carroll stuff. Obviously, the names of the various characters are yeah, some the Tesla, the Tesla run. The yeah, Tesla, I think that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it. that's it that I noticed. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's there's more lot. that I that's, did that's not. That's a yeah. lot. It's dense. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm glad I stumped you guys. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, our last official question comes from Nikusa, who asks: After a con like this, where will Nate draw the line? He seems capable of pretty much anything at this point. Uh, this was like this was the outlier. Like this is the okay. one you get. This is the one you get lucky with. And then go, okay, <laughs> and then kind of pull it <laughs> but back. I, okay. But I think the fact that it's a, a re, he's going farther now in service of redemption. Yes. Is is definitely yeah. a, a it, different th Nate than we've seen th in seasons th past. Th that's the idea. Don't focus on the difficulty. Focus on the intention. Right. Right. Okay. Like that's Nate's speech is 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 um, you know because certainly it's like what wow, they're being really cruel. They're like kidnapping a dude, and well, they're not torturing him. They're kidnapping him, yes, but he doesn't remember it. And they're trying to help him save a company he really loves. Nate, Nate is trying to be a good guy, even though he's still a manipulative bastard. Right. But he's trying to be a better guy, and he's trying to get better results. He's trying not just to destroy. Yeah, I mean, and season one, Nate might have had an elaborate con designed to rid this guy of the company and put yeah. the company in the hands of the employees and this yeah. guy would be ruined, right? right? I mean, yes, it would exactly. be a straight resent revenge play. And, and, and look, we, we talk are. about this all the time. It's like TV shows are in a bind because the characters can't change enough that you they're not the people you love, right. but they have to change enough that you're not bored with them. Right. You know, and we really feel like season five is where we're really putting a lot of stuff down in the carrier deck of like, you know, 
we're landing a lot of ideas we've had floating around for two or three years. You got to remember too that from day one, even though the other guys are clearly criminals when they join this crew, Nate is a supervillain. I mean, the thing that happens to Nate, the only thing that changes him from being a James Bond villain is he decides to be basically a good person with his outcomes. Uh, he's willing to go really far. Like, they are massively unethical. They commit constant crimes, invasions of privacy. They shift funds from point A to point They do anything they want, but it's all because the result will be supposedly good. This is really the first season where, and this is John's, John and Chris's notion that Nate would, at this point, want to leave a good footprint in the world, not just collapse what's ugly, but actually leave something good behind in some way. I won't say that that's sort of leading up to anything you might have heard about or speculate about, but that's that's what's been kind of going on with Nate, from my point of view. Just say that uh, Nate's been going for a lot of MRIs lately. He's been... He's, John! <laughs> I don't like that kind of joking. I do not appreciate that sort of joke. All right, move it on. Hashtag leverage tumor. <laughs> I hate you both so much. Hashtag Nate Tumor. Well, no, that's okay, because then he can make a deal with Sterling, who's actually Crowley from Supernatural, for right. to, like, cure his disease in order to do one big grift for hell. Yeah, right. That's good. But when he's revived, it's in the future, and he has to capture a Firefly ship to take it into... No, I'm not going Firefly. I'm, I'm keeping my Firefly uh, fic out of my leverage fic. That's just too but far. The, oh, the common like theme shift. is Mr. Don't Shepard. Time Don't time shift. Don't time shift. Satan is everywhere. Don't time shift. This is why your fics always... I, I don't like them. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm going to take this moment to inform our fans that while you cannot purchase these fan fiction crossover episodes on iTunes yet, uh, make sure you download all of your favorite leverage episodes from iTunes with a season pass, and they are all available after the episode airs on iTunes. Woohoo! So there's our plug. Um, and we actually have some the bonus happiest questions. Happiest writer on earth. I am. Uh, <laughs> the happiest writer on earth. Well, I used to be an actor. Yeah, so I know the difference. <laughs> yeah, and wow. he brought it up today. You brought it I was, up today. I had it holstered. You me and down. I just, and I was waiting you, for you the right moment to bring it in. Bastards me down. And a fine actor he was. So <laughs> yeah, mid-level. Well, we have some bonus questions if you guys have some time to stick around. We always have time for you. Our first one comes from Sean McManus who asks, just checking, are we allowed to ask how awesome that LSD was? That I'm sure was going around the set. <laughs> I've never taken it. It's Portland. It's really shroomed. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> suicide and they much prefer up Just there. assume every episode's kind of on shrooms. Yeah, I don't Portland. drink. I don't do drugs. Actually, yeah, that's what's funny. You don't, you, I don't do you, any of you that. You do not do any of I've that. Never, I'm totally straight edge, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's just my, my wacky, my bracky brain. That's, your, that's, when, that, that's your brain chemistry. Your natural normal. state yeah. of the dreamnasium. Can you yes. imagine what I would no. be like on drugs? Yeah. I, I shudder to <laughs> think of that. Well, moving on, Sue N asks, just how close was Beth to that car, and how much do you blame Kane for that one? Uh, it, I'll tell you, she was damn close, but it's not how you think. Uh, they shot that sequence in reverse. Yeah. Yes. And oh, Beth. Yes. Wow. Also, uh, Beth. The park there. Yeah. One of the things that's really good, Christian is excellent at this, and Beth, which we don't really focus on a lot, because she does do a lot of fighting and stuff like that. But she sold that hit. Beth can and sell it in hit. reverse, by the way. She was in never any danger. The car wasn't even moving when she actually supposedly got hit. That was a combination of effects editing and the actor being able to sell yeah. and the director so, yeah. so she started on the hood yeah. snapped up as if she was standing yeah. and that like as, as if she was not and fall, fell backwards yeah. and then they rolled the car backwards it was green right. screen up to that point yeah and then there was one pov shot that was gary on the segway with the steady cam yeah <laughs> getting her crossing the street we cut back to them going holy christ there's this girl in the way and then it was all beth yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's amazing what it really is movie magic when you yeah. see yeah. little things like that that you 
think happen the way you. Look. That's a trick. Uh, Jackie used to do. Jackie Chan used to do occasionally, like just the, the or they'd run it like the half speed and then right. over crank right. and yeah. Right. Well, our last question comes from Jess, who's asking, uh, "Will any of you guys or any of the actors be back for season five commentaries?" Uh, we have recorded all the season five commentaries, and the actors are on several of them. Yeah. So yeah, right. absolutely. Season five commentaries are great. Yeah. Great. They're in the can. They're, they're sitting fans, there waiting. Our fans are looking forward to them. So. <laughs> Uh, and I guess grifters that actually wraps well, all us the, up. All the on crying and stuff on the last on that last commentary is really what. Oh, Chris's podcast! <laughs> I've got a plug for that. Plug, plug Chris's <laughs> podcast because it's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, if you haven't done so already, grifters, be sure and check out the Downey Files on iTunes, a podcast hosted by none other than your very own Chris Downey. Yep. And it's pretty good. Produced by KLM Pala, who, who will one day speak on it. Who are not fictional, I promise you. Paula's yeah, already spoken on this podcast, though. Uh, we do, we, have, we have gotten her voice on tape. We did. Once. Once. So check out the Downey Files, and you, you won't regret it. Um, and that wraps us up on this on this episode of Lovers 10 Podcast. Thank you to everyone for watching and writing in, and thanks again to our guests for all being here. So, Grifters, be sure to join us next week as we discuss episode 513, The Corkscrew Job. And don't forget to send us your questions after the episode airs, either via Twitter with the hashtag Leverage10Podcast or the Leverage Facebook page. Thanks for listening, Grifters. Thank you.